Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. I am excited that you are joining me this week. I talk about health and wellness and biohacking, obviously. And I love this community that is growing. Thank you to everybody who recently voted or I guess ranked or rated, my gosh, my podcast on Spotify. I just want to talk about this quickly. So on the weekend, I (laughs) posted an Instagram story being like, please rate my podcast. And I have a ton of reviews on Apple podcasts, which is the most important place. And this, and it's like, I think it's rated about four, I think it's 4.9 on Apple podcasts and there's over a hundred reviews, which is really good. And it's really encouraging to see people do that. And when I put this story onto Instagram, I what like I was on Spotify. I've been on Spotify since the beginning, and I think it was rated like four point six. And no one really rates on Spotify. It's not as big of a deal, I guess. So I was like, oh, like let me just try to get more ratings. I think I had sixteen ratings or something. Like not many at all. And I was like, oh, I should probably get my numbers up a little bit to be more reflective of how many listeners I have. And so I post this story and then I guess whoever through my Instagram trolled me and gave me a bunch of really low star reviews. And so it went from 4.6 to 4.1 within, I think, I don't know, 12 hours or something of that story being up on Instagram. And I just want to say, if you're listening and you did that, you don't know what it's like to have a small business and how much ratings and reviews actually make such a difference. Like when I saw that, like it is so discouraging to see that as a content creator and as somebody who literally does everything in my business all of the time, like it's so petty. And I was so disappointed. I can't even tell you how disappointed I've been about it. Thankfully, there's been a bunch of people who have rated it five stars on Spotify again. So thank you for that. I think it's back to 4.4 now. If you're listening and you want to support the show, seriously, it takes three seconds. You just whip out your phone, you open Spotify, you type in biohacking with Brittany and you rate it five stars. There's no reviews. You can't type anything. It's only a rating on stars. But I just want to say like, it is so difficult to have a small business. Like it is so difficult. The amount of work that I have put in to be here right now today is years, like years of consistently posting and years of barely getting paid anything. And to be at a point now where I have momentum and I actually can make a living off of doing this. And then to just have people on the internet, just like shit on you essentially and not care really sucks. It really, really, really like sucks. So if you did that, you can actually go in and change your podcast rating to five stars. You can change it at any time. Please do that. If you want to rate my show, I would really appreciate that. And that is all I have to say about that. I'm really disappointed and I (laughs) hope it gets better. (laughs) That's all I have to say. I'm letting it go emotionally. I'm not going to let it bug me anymore. It's hard when you are a content creator and in general, like it's really just difficult. Like you put so much time and effort into creating things, like whether it's a video or a YouTube video or 
an interview or a blog article or a newsletter. And sometimes things just do so badly, like they flop. And I have been feeling so discouraged lately. And it's been really hard. So yesterday when all of that happened at the end of the week, I was like, F this, I'm done. I need a vacation. (laughs) Yeah. it's And I think the other thing too is I, when you're an entrepreneur and you're running your own business, like you, it's just you basically, right? Like as a content creator, maybe you have some contractors. Sure. But it's just you. So you don't really answer to anybody. You only answer to yourself and you kind of answer to the platform that you have, but then, that, but then like in a sense, you're answering to complete strangers, like complete people I've never met in my life and probably will never meet in person can just kind of be disrespectful or be rude. And it's not just like a podcast rating situation, right? It's anytime people criticize me on the internet, whether it's in my DMs, in my comments, even people at the biohacking conference, it's anything, right? Like it's just when people aren't kind, I don't get it. And I just would never, ever do that to anybody. I would never, ever do that. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. Actually though, don't like, what's the point? You don't need to tear down other people to make yourself feel better. So just know that all of the creators that you support, all of the podcasts that you support, it is so much work to put out this much content. Like I put out two podcast episodes a week now. The average podcast has seven episodes and then people quit because they realize how much episodes, like how much effort it is. Seven, seven. I think I'm on like 177 this week. That just shows you people are like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. It's going to be great. I'm going to talk about all these random things. And then they go and do it and they're like, oh, okay, actually, I don't want to do this because it's not only the recording, it's the prep beforehand. It's the promotion afterwards. It's the editing. It's publishing it on all of the platforms. It's trying to figure out the SEO and getting it to rank high in different countries. Like there's so many aspects to it. So yeah, that is my rant about that. And I know that the people who are, who listen to my podcast every week, I feel like we are buddies. So (laughs) I can talk to you and you know what? I know we're buddies because whenever I talk about anything remotely like this, if I have some sort of bad experience or like personal difficult time, the amount of DMS I get from people are like, it's just so supportive that it really makes me feel better. And I really appreciate those DMs. Like actually when people take the time to just send me something, you know, even a couple of sentences like, Hey, I heard that you're going through this with your health. I'm so sorry. Like I'm going through this and I can relate like anything like that really means a lot to me. So please, please always do that. And thank you for being a part of my little corner of the internet. (laughs) Today's episode, we are diving into sleep, sleep optimization. And I kind of talk about this on the show, but I spent like 2019 basically optimizing my sleep. And it was the year that I got my aura ring and it really just opened my eyes to how things can really impact your sleep and how I was sleeping. So I realized you know, I was waking up so many times throughout the night and getting up to go to the bathroom and like all these different things. And it was incredible. So it was incredible to actually like figure out how to fix that. 
I sleep really well now, most nights, and I'm thankful for that. And today we talk a lot about that. We talk about what women kind of struggle with when they're sleeping or trying to sleep versus men. And we talk about postpartum and what that can be like for people and how much that can disrupt your sleep and your hormones and your stress levels. So there's really a lot that you can do, but it's obviously a very difficult time for a lot of people. So enjoy this episode and a shout out to a new company on the block. This is my friend's company called June A Day by my friend Marjorie. And I had the pleasure of actually meeting her at the biohacking conference in June. And she has developed a full line of clothing for women only that blocks EMF and radiation. So she's actually coming on my podcast soon. She is very sensitive to EMF. So this is an issue that's very close to her heart. And she decided to do something about it. So she has created a full line of clothing and it's beautiful designs. So I have the play suit in black. And I think I got a medium because I'm tall and I think a small would have been a little too tight and short. And I love it. Every single time I wear it, wear it anywhere, I get compliments because it's such a modern design. It's so cute and it blocks EMF. So when you're traveling on the plane, when you're walking downtown or you're in an office building or anywhere where you feel like there's a lot of electromagnetic frequencies, a lot of radiation, which honestly tends to be a lot of places now, unfortunately, this is the type of clothing that can really help and shield against that. So check it out. I have a discount code, Brittany in all capitals. I will link it in the show notes for you. Gets you 10% off and it's phenomenal. I think I wear that play suit at least once a week right now. And another shout out to Nochi. This is the menstrual support supplement that I'm taking, and it's called New Moon by Nochi. Actually, you might say their company, Nochi, now that I'm thinking about it. I actually just interviewed them on my podcast, and that episode is going to be dropping very soon because we talk all about traditional Chinese medicine for women, and we talk about acupuncture, and we also talked about these herbs that are in this supplement. It's really helpful. It's very gentle. You can take it for multiple months and it's got things like ginseng in it. I think there's also ginger in it. And it just really helps with the symptoms associated with irregular cycles and PMS, things like bloating, fatigue, skin issues. So it's really nice to take such a holistic supplement that is geared towards menstrual health. I love traditional Chinese medicine. I have been in loving it and using it for the last couple of years. And this product just goes perfectly with that. So check that out. That's by Nochi, spelled N-O-O-C-I, linked in my show notes. I also have a discount code, Biohacking Brittany in all capitals. Check it out. All of this is on my website, by the way. You can always take a look there and enjoy this episode. I will catch you later this week for another one. I put out episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And now that it's August, I am actually doing, I guess I should announce this, but I am doing a massive giveaway at the end of this month. Yes. So I'm doing it a little differently. There's going to be two days and each day is going to be a bundle of prizes. So in total, there'll be two winners, one from day one and one from day two. And there are, I think it's like 13 brands 
who are going to be featured and you could win a massive box of biohacking, wellness, health, tech, and gear. Like all of your favorite brands and companies are going to be featured and it's going to be really, really big. Each day will be worth a few thousand dollars. And I have all the products here with me. So I'm actually going to create the prize and the box and send it to the winner myself. So stay tuned for that. That will be launching at the end of August on the Monday and the Tuesday. I, yeah, I'm so excited for that. It's actually in conjunction with my birthday. My birthday's in September, but I'm doing this a little early. I am a Virgo and yeah, I just wanted to really do something special for my birthday this year and be able to give you guys all of the prizes, all of the biohacking gear and tech that you've ever wanted. So that's coming at the end of the month. Stay tuned and enjoy this episode. I will catch you on Friday for another one. Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany. I am so excited that you are listening this week. Today, I have a friend and a special guest on the podcast, Morgan Adams. I actually met her at the biohacking conference and I was just saying to her right before we started recording that I met a lot of really cool women and I've had a bunch of them on my podcast. And honestly, they've been the best podcast episodes I've done. Like, I don't know if it's because we just got to meet and we already had like a connection, but there's something about it that's just, it makes it amazing. So we are going to dive into today's episode. Morgan Adams is a sleep expert, which is awesome because I love talking about biohacking sleep. She is known as the sleep soulmate, which I think is really cool and cute. (laughs) And she is a double certified holistic sleep coach and on a mission to help women reclaim their rest and achieve better sleep. So Morgan, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so good to be with you. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. So I am so curious. I spent basically all of 2019 really hacking my sleep because I was having, you know, specific sleep problems at the time. How did you kind of get into the realm of sleep health in general? Yeah. Really good question. Cause there's a very interesting backstory. So close to, I would say almost 20 years ago, I had a really awful bout with insomnia. And I had the kind of insomnia where I would lie awake at night up to maybe two hours waiting to fall asleep. And the insomnia episode was kicked off by, you know, an issue in a romantic relationship. That's all I'll say. And I was just extremely frustrated. So I went to my family doctor and was given Ambien and really didn't know any better than to just take it. And so I took it for eight years. And I, it made me get to sleep faster for sure. But the next day consequences were not pretty at all. I had a lot of brain fog. I really didn't feel fully awake and alert until lunchtime. But I didn't know what else to do. So I just kept taking the pills. About eight years into taking the pills, I met my current husband. He was my boyfriend at the time. And he kind of gave me some tough love. <laughs> A very kind way. He said, Morgan, when you take these pills at night, you kind of become a zombie and, and it freaks me out. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's totally right. And that was my impetus to stop taking the pills. So what I did was I tapered down the pills by cutting them, you know, into smaller increments. And knowing what I know now about sleep medicine, sleep drugs, 
really need a professional to guide you through that because it can be really challenging to get it right. And I feel like you need a lot of support. So I don't recommend going that alone. If you're currently taking sleeping pills, you need some guidance. I was able to successfully get off the sleeping pills, fortunately, and slept pretty well for years after that. And then there was a huge plot twist. And that plot twist is something we can all relate to. We all went through it. And that was the very beginning of the pandemic, March of 2020, I started to have problems sleeping again. And I got very concerned because I did not want to go down that road of insomnia again. So I started researching sleep and, you know, how to, how to get better sleep. And ultimately, I was able to course correct and get myself back on track. I bought an aura ring, which was super helpful and showing me some data. And with this new fascination with sleep, I started to just organically post things on Facebook to, you know, my friend group. And it turned out that a lot of other people were struggling with their sleep around the same time. And I just got so interested in sleep that I had this revelation. It was actually summer of 2020 that I decided I'm going to be a sleep coach. (laughs) I'm going to help because I really, I felt very, very passionate about helping women with their health. I dealt with breast cancer in 2018, and that just kind of propelled me into this huge health journey. And I just felt like sleep was the ticket because it's such a foundational piece of our health that can impact so many areas of our life. So that's really how I got started with this a few years ago. Wow. Yeah, I love that. That's such a unique story. And I bet you there's a bunch of people who could relate about going through sleep problems during COVID, especially in the beginning when it was like, I just remember feeling like everything was so unknown and there were so many questions and so little answers and yeah, the amount of stress and also just like the amount of people who started drinking more in the beginning and eating more. And I'm sure as we know, and we can talk about like that really can play a role in your sleep. So Yeah, I get you on that front. I'm curious when you work with women, do you see any commonalities amongst women in terms of how like kind of the struggles that they have with sleep, like that are uniquely to women versus maybe what men might deal with? I think probably the biggest issue I see is anxiety and stress that are quite often related to a couple of issues. I actually work a lot with midlife women. So we're talking about some more hormonal challenges, but I would say globally with women, what I see a lot is these stress, the stress and anxiety of their lives because they are taking on so much. Women are often the care, you know, they're their caregivers. A lot of the women I work with are in pretty high demanding roles at work. And so all of these stressors and just never having any time to decompress all that stress can really pile up at the end of the day and cause some issues sleeping. So I I would say that would be the biggest commonality is the stress and anxiety seems to kind of run parallel with most of the clients that I work with. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Do you find that women are typically more light sleepers and men are typically more deep like sleepers? Does that make sense? I would say that's can be the case for a lot of my clients. I mean, I noticed, I know that in my own marriage, my husband's can sleep through any, pretty much through anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a lot of clients who kind of mirror that, like they, they will wake the women will wake up pretty easily. And they're, you know, there, there's probably research on this that would be interesting to delve into, but it could go back to just 
being having children, a lot of women who've had children will say to me, and I haven't had children, but they will say that once they had children, they would wake up, you know, because they would hear the baby, right? And then once the baby was not a baby anymore, they kept being hyper, kind of hyper vigilant with hearing things. And so I think that we often see women, you know, report lighter sleeping than men. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that because I don't know where I heard this, but I heard that typically that is the case of like women tend to be lighter sleepers and men are deeper sleepers. And it's because of that very reason, like biologically women typically have got gotten up in the middle of the night throughout history to be and attend to babies and children. And so like naturally we're almost like wired to not struggle getting more deep sleep, but just not be able to sleep through everything. And it's almost like, which is kind of annoying because that means like our nervous system, like how does it even really decompress if it's almost like kind of just waiting for something to happen and wake up to like, I'm a light sleeper. And when my dog whines, I hear him like, and I get up right. And my, my husband will just like sleep through things. So I already see the, that like biologically playing in our roles, but I don't know if there's really even anything we can do about that. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. I think that one thing we can do, I know I do this personally. So we have a new puppy in our house (laughs) and it's puppies kind of like a baby in a lot of ways. So when trying to, with your surroundings and your bedroom, what I find to be helpful for myself and some of my clients is having white noise machines or kind of nature sounds in the background or even earplugs because of that sensitivity to noise. Again, it's really important to keep our bedrooms very dark. And so if we can try to minimize those outside distractions, that's great. I mean, it's not a surefire way to prevent wake-ups from things that we hear, but it can be pretty helpful. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's a really good point and can help a lot of people. I'm curious, like what you've seen when you've worked with clients in terms of benefits in their health and maybe not even actually just in their health, like maybe just in their life. Like when you work with clients for a few months, what do you typically get reported back to you of like the biggest changes and benefits that they see? Yeah. Well, besides just sleeping better, what we also find is some of their daytime gets a lot better. So they find themselves less anxious and stressed. They find that they have more energy during the day because they're sleeping better. Oftentimes, we'll see improvements in relationships, people setting some more boundaries with their family. So we we see a lot of really nice benefits other than just sleep. So sleep just affects so many areas of our life that when you correct poor sleep, you see so many wonderful ripple benefits come out of it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because I guess like you're just more mentally and emotionally and maybe even physically able to show up during the day. Absolutely. I feel, I feel like when you have really had that solid quality rest overnight, you are able to show up much better. You're able to emotionally regulate and that can, that can spill out into how you relate to your colleagues at work your kids, your spouse, partner, whatever, you know, you're just able to keep your cool because we've all been there. I mean, I know I have, (laughs) I know I still do. Sometimes if I've had a really crappy night of sleep, you know, just being snappy the next day, you know, and unintentionally to my husband. And I'm like, I didn't mean, you know, please forgive me. I slept, I slept poorly. And, you know, he understands, but it really can impact people who are close to us or coworkers, 
everyone around us. So we're just, people are just a lot nicer when they've slept well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like I know when I'm low on sleep, I'm so irritable. <laughs> yes. I just like the bandwidth I have, the amount of care I have for things is like zero. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, it's interesting that you say that because they actually have done studies showing that when people are sleep deprived, their level of empathy drops and their generosity. They did some kind of study looking at how likely someone would be to help a stranger and how likely someone would be to donate to a nonprofit. And the people who were not sleeping well, they were underslept, they were less likely to step up and help somebody else. So it really does impact that empathy and our and that generosity for sure. Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. So when people have like go through sleep disruptions for a period of time in their lives, like it could be a new baby, it could be traveling, anything like that. What are your recommendations for that? Because as someone who is like looking at, you know, fertility in, in my near future, I am like very worried about the lack of sleep that's coming, you know, next year, whatever that might be. So like, how do you even manage that if it might be like months on end where you're constantly going to be waking up? Yeah, I think you've hit on a really good point. I think new mothers have it, you know, it's a very stressful time. And unfortunately, there isn't a lot of literature or articles out there about how to help new moms. But I feel like from an evolutionary perspective, this is where I feel like it can be comforting for people to hear is that like sometimes when women are in the thick of this, when they're like, when they have an infant and they're just like, I am so sleep deprived that they're afraid they may get sick or, you know, they may have long-term consequences. Like you see all these scary things on the, on the media, on media, on the news about like, it could, you know, you might get heart disease, you might get this and that and the other, but like, I mean, I'm just throwing this out there as something to, to consider. It's like for so many years, we've women have had babies and have had that period of sleep deprivation for several months and then live long, healthy lives. So I share that as sort of just a message of positivity and hope. But in, when you're in the thick of it, it can be very, very daunting because like we've said before, it really messes with your mood and your emotional regulation and just increases your stress. So I would say that, you know, one way to really cope with that sleep loss would be trying to use the natural daylight to your advantage. So if we're able to get outside as much as possible, especially in the early morning when the sun is rising and really harnessing the energizing powers of sunlight, because we know that the sunlight really can boost our mood and our energy. So that's something that's accessible to, you know, most of us. I mean, some people have more challenges depending on where they, where they live. But like if you're a new mom taking your baby out in the stroller for multiple walks a day, because they're, I think what a lot of people don't realize is we need to develop their circadian rhythm too, the babies. So we don't want to, I think a lot of moms when they're new moms tend to stay inside a lot, taking care of the baby. And that can further exacerbate circadian, dis- circadian dysregulation and low mood. So just if possible, just try to get outside and just take some walks, I think would be a really good solution for short term. Yeah, I I like that. That's a really good idea is like, even if it's cloudy, like I live in Vancouver in Canada, and it's so rainy in the winter. 
But even if it's cloudy, like still getting daylight outside in the morning can really, really help with the circadian rhythm. And the other like piece of advice that I would give is that it might be a period of time, maybe it's even a year that like you are struggling with sleep. But I would just be cautious about things that could trigger sleep to be worse on top of you waking up. So like watching alcohol intake before you go to bed, watching eating late at night type of thing. And then I'm sure is like you educate everyone on is like really, really like biohacking or whatever you want to call it, your room so that you can fall asleep as quickly as you can, right? So white noise, very dark, cold temperature, like that type of thing. So we can just, like, it's still going to happen. You're still going to wake up, but like, let's just make it as least problematic as we can, I guess. Yeah, I, you're, you're making really good points. I feel like it's really, it goes down to setting yourself up for as much success as possible. Putting, putting all those things in place, just setting up your environment, watching your alcohol intake, eating dinner on the earlier side if you can. And then another thing that just um, came to mind is more of a sociological type of solution. And that is having, asking for help, whether it's, I mean, depending on your situation, you could have a friend come over to your house and let you nap for like, half hour or so, you know, to get, if you are especially sleep deprived. So really harnessing like the power of your community, because we weren't meant to do this alone. If you look at it in history, babies were raised in environments that were not just a nuclear family. There were grandparents and aunts and uncles in that surrounding, you know, home who could step in and help. So we're in a really weird spot because we weren't wired to take care of it all. So I think this just goes back to women, you know, advocating for themselves and asking for help in whatever way that may be from a spouse, a partner or relatives, neighbors, and you can do a trade too. So like you can say, Hey, I'll help you out at some point. You know, if you can come in and rescue me, let me take a nap for a half hour. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. Hopefully people have some sort of support system, but obviously that's not the case for everyone. There's a ton of single moms out there who don't really have people and that's really sad and really hard and, and kudos to them for doing it because, wow, I just, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. And so I think, I think that's right. And like leaning on a friend, getting a babysitter and sleeping in your car. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> that's probably what I would do if I was, if I could. But yeah, it's like just prioritizing sleep and trying to fit it in. But I also don't feel fully qualified to even re- make recommendations on this because I don't have a kid. And it's probably so much easier for me to sit here and be like, oh, just do this without actually experiencing it. So, yeah. well, it's a huge challenge among so many women. And like I said earlier, there's, there's not enough resources out there. There are not enough professionals helping women. There's, I mean, it can even boil down to policies, you know, that come down from above it, it, from our workplaces, or we just don't have a lot of support is the bottom line. So it, these issues really, I think, should be addressed at more of a macro level, right? I think, and then it, it'll trickle down to the more micro level. So we could get pretty deep on this if we talked about it a lot, but that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I think that's a good point as well. It takes a village, you know, but a lot of the way society is set up in North America now, it doesn't reflect that anymore. And I think the, I think women feel the brunt of that, unfortunately, like new moms. And yeah, like you said, it's like, this is like a systematic 
or systemic issue. It's not a you issue, right? Like it's not your fault. And I, I hope a lot of women kind of almost get comfort in that, but yeah, it's complicated. What I also think is interesting on the flip side is like, there tends to be this notion that like sleep deprivation is like a badge of honor in certain professions and industries. Like, oh, I worked 14 hours. I slept five hours or whatever it is. So how do you like challenge that mindset and promote sleepy, like healthy sleeping habits kind of against that when that's like high stress environment? Yeah. It's interesting you brought that up because, you know, what I like to say, like, I kind of consider myself like a, a sleep PR agent, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think, I think that we need more sleep PR agents out there. I use LinkedIn a lot as a platform to, to get the message out. And I do sort of follow the sleep hashtag. So I can kind of see what conversations people are having about sleep. And it's just, it's really fascinating. Uh, most, most of the posts are pro sleep. They're pro the message we're sharing here about um, investing in your sleep. Can inv- you're investing in your productivity the next day's work? But I saw a post last week by somebody. It wasn't anybody you know big. It was just like a random Joe wherever. And he wrote it. He had a graphic. He said, "If you woke up broke, you didn't deserve to go to sleep." And I I actually did a story about this on Instagram, and I'm like this kind of attitude has got to stop because it implies that we, that sleep is like a privilege that is to be earned when you've worked a certain amount of hours or made a certain amount of money. And I just want to say like, that is just complete BS because sleep is a right that everybody has, whether or not we've worked a full day, whether or not we work at all, whether we're rich or poor, like we all deserve that. So I didn't comment on that that guy's post, by the way. <laughs> I, you know, it just seemed kind of futile because I don't want to have squabbles on social media. But some of, there is still some mentality out there that we have to grind it out. And I think the tide is slowly changing, but we do have little people, but not little people. We have like people like that trickling in sometimes, unfortunately. Are you concerned about EMF or radiation? Are you a woman in the health and wellness and biohacking space and you're just looking for cute clothing that blocks radiation? Maybe you are pregnant. Maybe you're trying to get pregnant. Maybe you're postpartum, or maybe you just really want to block your body from harmful frequencies that you are constantly bombarded with in our society these days. Finally, we actually have a cute solution (laughs) by a company called Juna Day. This is my friend's company, and I am so excited to be working with them. It's essentially airplane mode for your wardrobe. If you're flying, if you're working in the city, if you are sensitive to EMF, this is the clothing that you need. It is so cute. I have the play suit in black. I wear it at least once a week because it's just so comfortable, and it just blocks all of the 5G that's around me, the Wi-Fi, everything else that we're constantly exposed to. As somebody who is on her preconception journey, soon to be fertility journey, it's really important for me to block my, you know, to be honest, my ovaries from this type of thing. I want to protect my mitochondria. I want to protect my body in general from all of the frequencies. So this is what I'm wearing. And if you are sensitive in any way or worried in any way about EMF, you need this. 
Check out Junaday. They have a bunch of different, really, really cute designs. So they have a belly band, which is if you're pregnant, you can just wear it underneath your clothing. They have a unitard, which is cute. They also have maternity legging. They have a play suit, which is what I have. And then they also have a bodysuit, which I kind of want as well, because you can wear it under anything made for all day wear. This clothing is so adorable. Definitely check it out by June a day. Use my discount code, Brittany in all capitals. It will get you 10% off. And please tag me if you wear this because someone tagged me the other day. She's pregnant. She's wearing the play suit and it was so cute. I'm so happy for her. So tag me if you wear it. I want to see it. And I'm just so happy and excited that we have another female founded company and brand in the biohacking space. It's so needed. So please go support this company, Judah Day. Yeah, I think like there's a love for hustle culture and I think it's getting better. I think people have realized like how toxic it can be. And, but at the same, it's hard because at the same time, like the economy is really tough right now. And a lot of people have like a full-time job and have a side hustle and they're just trying to make ends meet and trying to advance their careers. And a lot of the time, the sacrifice is time and that edges into our sleep. But at the end of the day, like literally at the end of the day, we should be sleeping, but like we sleep a third of our lives. Like that's insane. And if we don't prioritize that, it's like, what are you doing? Like that is so important for us to be able to show up for the other two thirds of it. And people who aren't in the health world or aren't into any of this, like they kind of just don't really realize how important sleep is. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because the people that I'm working with, they don't have that mentality because they've sought me out because they understand like how critical sleep is because they're hiring me to help them. So I I don't really, I'm, and my circle of friends is much like me, health-minded. So it's pretty rare that I actually talk to anyone who's sort of like, who doesn't sleep, think sleep is cool, you know, <laughs> but, they, but they are out there, you know, it's just where I think you and I, Brittany, we're kind of in a little echo chamber sometimes <laughs> of our biohacking friends and health-minded people. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think so as well. I just... Yeah. And even like I live on the West Coast, right? I find the West Coast of like Canada and the States is very into holistic health and like into this. And whenever I go to Toronto, my family's in Toronto, or even I feel like New York City is just so hustle, hustle and bustle all the time. And there's a serious lack of work-life balance there. And I, I, it just burns people out. It really, really does. I would agree. There's a, there's does seem to be a, I'm I'm on the east coast of the states, and there does seem to be a lot more hustle culture mentality than like in when I've traveled to California for conferences. People are a lot more chill. You know, they seem a lot more health oriented. I mean, I'm generalizing quite a bit, but that's just kind of what I've noticed. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of like stress and sleep, what do you see with your clients? What's been your experience in that relationship, and how do you recommend people kind of get a hold of their stress. Yeah, there are a lot of ways to go about it. But what I really recommend is that people begin their day preparing for sleep. So I'm a big advocate of a morning routine. And when I say a morning routine, I'm not necessarily saying you need to be a morning person. 
you don't necessarily need to have a morning chronotype because we don't always, all of us don't have that. But even if you are somebody who's more of a night owl, you still have a morning, right? So I really recommend that people start their day with some kind of morning routine that's centering, getting outside, walking, having that light exposure, having some kind of intentional practice, whether that's you know reading or journaling or meditating or breath work, some, something to kind of ground them. And what that does, it, it really helps buffer you from having that stress right in the beginning of the day. I mean, I've had clients who unfortunately, you know, would wake up and they would be out the door within five minutes with a cup of coffee. They literally just were flying out the door with no, like no practice of stopping and reflecting on the day ahead. So I think it really begins in the morning. And then as we move about our day, I really recommend that people take what I call mindfulness snacks. So when we have stressful events that pop up during the day, it boosts our cortisol and maybe not in a great way. So we have these cortisol spikes and we want to really be mindful of kind of managing them throughout the day because if we build that cortisol up all day, it can really impact us at night. So what I'm talking about here is like maybe two or three mindfulness snacks during the day where you just literally take 10 minutes and you go outside or you meditate or you do something. Maybe you just sit there in silence, but you're really just giving yourself a chance, giving yourself a chance to process your thoughts and just be with yourself. Because what ends up happening quite often with my clients is that they get into bed 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. They haven't had the chance at all to process their thoughts during the day. And the time that they start to process it is in bed when they're trying to sleep, which creates all these problems going to sleep. And then perhaps when they wake up in the middle of the night, those worries might pop up too, because they haven't addressed them during the day. So it's really, it's, you know, it's, it's not so much about like what you do before bed, but it's like what you're doing from the moment you wake up all throughout the day. Yeah. I love that. I love that you start making recommendations from the morning onwards. I think that's a really smart idea. I think I find I better, I think I sleep better when I go for a walk in the morning. There's something about kind of like we briefly talked about, like just getting natural sunlight, or even if it's rainy, just getting outside and getting that light, the fresh air, the negative ions, the exercise, the time to myself before getting into my day. Um, i I just find really, really sets me up for success for my sleep. And I know a lot of people kind of implement some type of walk or walking the dog or the kid or something in the morning. I, and I just love that. Yeah, it's a great practice. Yeah. So how do you feel about like EMF and radiation and devices and like their impact on sleep? Yeah, that's kind of a tricky one. So I'm not the kind of person who's like super strict about screens, but I feel like this is sort of like where things are right now, I think, with most of the research is that like we know that blue light can impact our melatonin and we want to be mindful of that in the evening. But I think sometimes what we're consuming on the screen is actually more detrimental than the blue light. Because think about all the people in the world who watch TV before bed and have no problem sleeping. So, I mean, I think it's a great practice to wear blue light blocking glasses, you know, when you can, if you're going to be on screens. But I kind of like to look at the activities that we have on a screen as like your bu- your bucket of active activities and passive. So 
when you're on a screen, an active activity would be like texting or social media or video games. Those are interactive. Those require you to react to something. And that's that could be actually stimulating. So that's stimulating content versus more passive forms of media would be like TV, breathwork apps, meditation apps. And you know, it's really interesting, Brittany, is people are <laughs> people crack up because I I say very just outright, my evening routine is watching TV. They're like, what? Your sleep coach. But here's my take on it is that if you are watching an actual TV, not like a laptop that's sitting right next to your face, it's a, a good distance away from you. And you might have blue blocking glasses on and the content that you, you're watching is not stimulating or scary or disturbing, then I think you actually can watch TV before bed without it ruining your sleep. But I think a lot of times people will just launch into a program at night with Netflix, not knowing what the program is about. I mean, I've, I've been guilty of this too. And they don't realize the program is like suspenseful or scary or violent. And they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't, <laughs> now my sleep is disturbed. So I would recommend watching things that you've watched before maybe, or that you really know for sure. Maybe you've watched them during the day and you know that the content is not going to be too stimulating. I feel like, you know, with EMFs also, I mean, we don't have a ton of data about it, but there's like a lot of uh, hypothetical kind of a general information about it. But I am a, I do believe that like we should definitely not sleep with our phones by our bed. Our phones should be out of the room for sure for the EMF reason. And also because it's just too damn tempting to pick up the phone and scroll if you wake up. It's also, you know, I also recommend that if we can disable our wireless before we go to bed is a great idea and unplug the things in our bedroom that we don't need. I would never unplug my chili pad. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> that stays in all the time. But you know, the things that we don't need, I'm unplugging them. Are you tired of feeling out of sync with your body's natural rhythm? Do you struggle with menstrual cycle related issues like fatigue, mood swings, and bloating? If you're looking to optimize your health and well-being, look no further than the ebb and flow cycle guide. This comprehensive guide is designed to help you better understand and work with your menstrual cycle so you can improve your energy levels, reduce PMS symptoms, and gain a deeper understanding of your body. With in-depth information on each phase of the menstrual cycle, you'll learn how to adjust your diet, exercise routine, and self-care practices to better align with your body's needs. One of the biggest benefits of the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide is its user-friendly format. The guide is easy to follow and provides clear instructions on how to optimize your health throughout each phase of your cycle. Plus, it's packed with valuable information and insights that you won't find anywhere else. So whether you're a seasoned biohacker or you're just starting out, the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide is the perfect tool to help you optimize your health and live in harmony with your body's natural rhythm. And with my expertise and guidance, you can trust that you're getting the best information and advice available. So why wait? Head over to biohackingbrittany.com to get your copy of the Ebb and Flow Cycle Guide and start living your best life today. Yeah, I love that. I think a lot of what you said really resonates with people. Like I watch TV before I go to bed, but it's done in a very probably different way than a lot of people do it. So like I have blue blocking glasses on the, all of the lights in the entire apartment are off except for the red light in our bedroom. 
and no phones. So there's no like phone. I'm not scrolling while the TV's on. There's none of that. Like it's literally just TV and it'll be, let's say until about like right now, it's probably about to like 8.30 and then I turn off and then I like start more of a bedtime routine and I usually have my lights off by 9.30. So I spend a lot of time reading before bed. It really calms me down. I read a lot of fiction, like kind of similar to what you're saying is like, I find if I read nonfiction, like books about health or business or something like that, like it doesn't really help me fall asleep. I need something that's like, let me just describe this completely alternative universe that you're in and like take you out of your life and relax your brain from thinking about yourself. And that's kind of what helps me fall asleep. But I get it. It's it's about the balance, you know? We also turn off our Wi-Fi and no phones and, and all of these different things. But some people are just more sensitive to EMF and blue light than other people. Like I am very sensitive to blue light, but my husband isn't. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a great point. That's one of the things that's so tricky is because it's hard to... There, I, don't, I don't... To correct me if I'm wrong, but I, there, I don't think there's like a test to assess for your EMF sensitivity. If there is, I don't know about it. But, I don't think um, so. Yeah. But I mean, we, you're right. We, and you and I both have a, a mutual acquaintance who is extremely EMF sensitive and she developed her own line of EMF shielding clothes for those, for that population. But yeah, it's, and then it's also interesting because if you share a house with somebody, you could have one person who's completely not sensitive and the other person who is really sensitive. So I guess to have like the most drastic intervention would probably be good just to cover your bases and cutting it off all the EMF off or the Wi-Fi off before bed for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love what you're saying. And just to plug that line, it's called Juna Day and that is a good friend of mine. I will link it in the show notes. I have a discount code if people want. I always try to promo her because you know what? There are like no female lines of clothing for EMF that are actually cute. And her clothing is so cute. I wore the play suit yesterday. Um, anyway, so I just love it. And now that I'm thinking about this, I'm sure she's going to listen to this episode. She should definitely develop a line of pajamas that block EMF while you sleep. Now that is something I would really get behind. <laughs> I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know of any test that really looks at EMF either. In terms of blue light, the only thing that I have heard and read about is that people with certain eye colors are actually more sensitive to blue light than others. And the lighter your eyes are, like the more sensitive they are to blue light. So for people who have like blue eyes, like myself, like I really, really feel it. Whereas people who have darker eyes typically don't. And I don't know a lot about the structure of eyes and like the cells that are related to that, but I'm sure there's like more information out there for people to find. Well, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I also heard that the thickness of your eyelid can actually be, can impact your sensitivity. Oh. So that's something that like, I never thought about until that's I heard it recently. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, so how do you measure that? Right. Yeah. You know, we don't know. <laughs> I mean, we can look at the color of your eyes, but how do we know the thickness of your eyelids? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I guess if you naturally have thinner skin, but then that gets, that gets into the question of your skin gets thinner typically as you get older. So like, do you become more sensitive to blue light as you get older? Great question. Oh, you're digging deep. I don't this know. A, I think, I think a research project is uh, on the, on the, <laughs> the cards for you. Yeah, maybe, maybe. 
Yeah. And then obviously that would mean that like babies and kids are less sensitive. So that's super interesting. Now I'm thinking this through, but I know speaking of age related health issues, I know that some people kind of feel like as they get older, they struggle with sleep more. Do you find that in your practice or do you think it's kind of like all across the board? A hundred percent. I find that, well, we know the data shows us that as we get older, we get less deep sleep, our sleep becomes more fragmented. And most of my clients are 40 plus. So I'm seeing that a lot. And especially like with my 50 plus clients, for sure. And I'm, I'm actually 53 myself. So I've actually started to notice changes in my sleep, <laughs> which is kind of ironic, right? But I think once you realize that the na- a natural part of aging is having changes in your sleep architecture, I think it can help normalize it. I mean, I'm not saying that you should accept bad sleep, but I feel like there's a point at which you just say, I'm aging, something's changed. You know, how can we work with this the, in the best way possible? So it's it's true for, for men and women, but I think women, here's a whole other layer of issues is the hormonal changes, the declining estrogen and progesterone really can impact our sleep. I'm facing that right now. And a lot of my clients are as well. Some of us are using hormone replacement therapy to varying degrees of success. <laughs> it's not, a, it's not a, so, you know, not to get into the weeds with HRT, but I really do feel that if you're going to go on hormone replacement therapy, you know, my take is that you ha- need to have the basics n- nailed down first. You have to have some really good health practices and then kind of looking at HRT as the sort of the last thing you add, looking at just basic like eating style, drinking alcohol, you want want to make sure you're pretty tight before you go into HRT. That's just my take on it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't think hormones are something to mess around with. I like I've tried like progesterone cream before. And I think it, it definitely does feel good. It definitely can help. But you have to kind of know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to do it yourself, like even for women who are still like menstruating, you ideally only want to be taking progesterone cream on the second half of your cycle because that's when it's supposed to be higher. So like, it's even just knowing stuff like that, like you don't want to take it throughout your whole cycle because it's going to throw estrogen off and then that can impact ovulation. And there's all of these other things that happen. So you really want to ideally work with somebody who understands it. A hundred percent. Yeah. And they're, They can be hard to find, but they are out there. And I I really do recommend that people don't like go willy nilly and order things on Amazon and try to, um, (laughs) you know, because it can can be it can be dangerous because you could get into a situation where you could become estrogen dominant and then potentially develop an estrogen positive breast cancer. So we want to be careful (laughs) about just I think it's extremely safe for HRT, but it has to be done in a a protocol that's done by professional. (laughs) You know that I seriously, seriously value the menstrual cycle and women's health. And I really care about helping women create more regular cycles, reduce their symptoms, and be able to just kind of live life (laughs) easier and have more fun and not have to worry so much about these health issues that kind of plague a lot of women, including myself. So I've recently actually been taking a new supplement by a company called Nochi, and the supplement is called New Moon, and it is a supplement completely focused on menstrual support. 
It is rooted in traditional Chinese medicine and uses herbs like ginger, ginseng, and jujube that provide a ton of benefits, including relief from menstrual cramps, reduces bloating, helps ease PMS symptoms, and supports irregular cycles. I deal with all of that here and there. It always changes cycle to cycle, but I definitely deal with irregular menstrual cycles every single month or more than that, you know? So I really love using this product and I love using something that's rooted in nature, but also traditional Chinese medicine because as someone who does acupuncture a lot and really respects traditional Chinese medicine, I can see how it can play such an important role in our tools that we use to help heal. So if you're dealing with any type of PMS, irregular cycles, you need menstrual support, I really suggest this product. I'm not taking anything else like it. And it's really, really fantastic. So that is by No Chi. And that's the supplement called New Moon. And I will link it in the show notes. It's also on my website. Go for it. Try it out. Let me know what you think. You can use my discount. It's all linked right there for you. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so I just downloaded my Aura Ring scores from last night. I'm going to read them out to you. I'm curious what you say. (laughs) (laughs) So I should say, let me preface this with, not last night, the night before, I slept really badly and I woke up at 3.30 with pain in my abdomen, whole, another story, and I got out of bed. So that night I slept for five hours, okay, which is very abnormal. So last night, my body, I can tell by these scores, was I was very tired and it was making up for it. So let me read this to you, okay. So time in bed, nine hours and 10 minutes, total sleep, 851. Efficiency was 97%. Restfulness was optimal. REM sleep was two hours and 29 minutes, which was 28%. Deep sleep was one hour and 42 minutes, which was 19%. My latency was three minutes and my timing was optimal. What do you think? Wow. Okay. So you're reading me the scores on the the night after the sleep deprivation night. Okay. Yeah. That's very, that's actually what normally happens. Is that our, when we've had sleep deprivation for a night or two, we just go hard the next night. <laughs> I mean, we really see boost in deep sleep, REM. Obviously, your latency was very low because you were at, you were you were sleep deprived, so you went out very quickly. Yeah, that's that seems very typical of a sleep score of somebody who had been deprived of sleep. So I'm glad you had a, a restorative night to make up for that bad night. Yeah. yeah. So my sleep score was 94. But let me read you the night, like two nights ago. So this is more of like a average situation for me. So, okay. This one was actually, okay, we'll do this one. So this was on Tuesday. So Monday night this week, time in bed, 817, total sleep was 748. Sleep efficiency was 94%. Okay. So I read that. I read that. REM sleep was an hour and 36 minutes. So it was 21%. My deep sleep was an hour and 20 minutes and it was 17%. My latency was eight minutes. So I guess my question is, is like, what percentage do you want REM and deep sleep to be at ideally? Yeah. So ideally REM would be about 25, 20 to 25%, right? And then deep would be more like 15 to 20. 
But here's, here's the caveat. We know that the sleep trackers aren't super accurate at measuring staging. So we want, want to be mindful and not freak out if, if we see lower than that. I think really my best advice for anyone wearing a sleep tracker is to pay attention to how you feel in the morning versus what the score says. Because some, a lot of my clients come to me with a lot of anxiety about their sleep. And sometimes we find that wearing a tracker to monitor their sleep makes them more anxious. So that's something to keep in mind. One one thing you can do for a situation like that is to wear your aura ring and then look at the data once a week so that you kind of have you ha- you're kind of standing back from it a little bit rather than examining it like the eagle eye view. You know, it gives you just a little bit more perspective, I think, than when you're looking at it every single day. Yeah, I found that I went through a phase of that last year. I took about a month off from looking at all my data because I found that I was getting so nitty gritty and I would overexercise and then my scores would be terrible and I would still want to exercise. So like, it was like this whole thing of like, how do I get good scores, but also like keep this fitness routine I wanted to keep. And it was too stressful. So I just, yeah, I just put it onto, I think it's like airplane mode or something, but it still collects the data for six weeks as long as it's charged. And then I looked at it and it was a very helpful break for me. Yeah, that's that's a really good example of what a, a use case for a break would be. So I'm glad you did that. Yeah. Do you use the Aura Ring or do you use a different one? I do use the Aura Ring. I, I bought the Aura Ring right when COVID started as one of the ways to kind of get things back on track. And I find it fascinating to look at the data over a long stretch of time. You know, I'm, I'm looking at three three years plus tracking. So I, I sometimes will just look at that longitudinal data, three three plus years and go, hmm, this is interesting. My sleep has definitely improved. But over the past couple months, we're seeing some decline in the deep sleep, more morning, more early morning awakenings. That's very typical with perimenopausal women. So I'm not, I'm not freaking out, you know, because I, I know what to expect. And I'm trying to manage it in the best way I can, but it can be, it can be a little bit of a challenge at times. So I think it's good to know going in what the expectations are. Yeah. I love that a lot. I think that, I think it's interesting. So I've had mine since 2019, similar to you. And it's really interesting looking back at the data, even the information on heart health, I find is really fantastic and helpful. And actually getting, I think I've said this before, but getting the aura ring was one of the biggest things in my life to happen that has moved me away from drinking alcohol because uh, yes, I had no idea how much it was impacting me until I got it. And I saw my HRV and my heart rate on nights when I would drink alcohol. And I was like, oh, like this is not good. Yes. I've experienced the same thing. And it has actually helped me to like decrease my alcohol intake because I don't like, I don't like to see that data. I don't like to feel bad in the morning either. But when you, so w- sometimes when you see the objective data, it's enough of a push to change your behavior. Now, some people don't care. Some people are like, whatever, but like, you know, you and I tend, I guess we're kind of wired the same way in that we see the data and we make some changes. Oh yeah. There's no way that I could not care (laughs) after seeing that when you see your, your HRV is like typically eighties, nineties, and then you drink like a bottle of wine and it's like in the twenties that night. 
you're like, oh, okay. Like my body really actually hates this. Like this is terrible. <laughs> yeah. And not only that night, but the, I think I find that the next couple of nights, the HRV is still sort of low. It takes a few days to like recover from it. So yeah, it's just, sometimes it's just not worth it. It would also be interesting to like analyze your data and see if there's any trends throughout the seasons. Like I just like in where I'm in, in Canada, we have such distinct seasons here. You know, the days are so much longer in the summer and stuff like that. And yeah, so I just wonder if my sleep is actually better in the winter because it's, you know, darker at like 5 p.m. and there's less light and like all of this type of thing. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think what you said could possibly mean that your sleep is better in the winter. I think there are quite a few people who sleep better in the winter than the summer because you've got got more daylight. You're you're socializing more. It's hotter. So I think probably I would say most people sleep better in the winter, but that would be a fascinating thing to look at. I mean, to track and see seasonality, how things shape out. Yeah. I guess that makes sense too, though. Like, a lot of species like hibernate during the winter and they expend less energy and that type of thing. In the summer, I'm definitely doing way more. I'm out way more. I typically drink a lot more in the summer too. Right now I'm doing a cleanse, so I'm not drinking at all. But yeah, that's so interesting. I, yeah, I'm just always curious about this stuff because it's like, once you look at the data, it's like, okay, how do I, how do I benefit from this and apply this to my life and like help other people benefit as well? Do you recommend your clients get Aura Rings or like an Apple Watch or something to help? Uh, You know, it really depends on the client. So it depends on how anxious they are, really. That's like my main litmus test. And I really really talk to them about it. There are certain clients, interestingly, that I... So some clients come to me and they say, Morgan, I'm getting three hours of sleep. And they don't have a tracker. They're just saying, I either get no sleep or I'm only getting three hours of sleep. And usually what's going on in that situation is something called paradoxical insomnia, where you're actually sleeping, but your brain isn't registering that you're asleep in the light phases. And so in those situations, it can be actually helpful for them to have an aura because what they'll see is they'll see that they got like six hours when they thought they got three. So it's actually a relief to some of those people to see, oh my God, I actually slept. The thing is their brain didn't register they slept, right? which is, which is really hard on them, right? in the next day. So those people are like a minute section of, you know, a minute part of my practice. But then we've got the people who are really anxious and worriers. And so for them, I have to get to know them a little bit. And and then we have a discussion and some are like, yeah, I think I can handle this. And some are like, no, you know, I don't think it's going to be good for me. So it's a, it's a really interesting discussion to have. Some people just, I mean, it's really such a personal decision. I never, I don't want anyone to ever feel like they have to get a tracker to work with me. But if they want to wear one, then I can definitely help them out with it. Yeah, no, that's good. I think it's good to like leave it up to the people and let them decide because yeah, like you said, like some people benefit and some people don't and it's too overwhelming. It's too restrictive. It's like, it's just too much data for them. And then you get like people who are into biohacking who are like, yeah, of course I have an aura ring. What do you mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We're just so keen on it. Um, Yeah. So it it really depends. But 
This has been so great. If people want to optimize their sleep with you, how can they do that and how can they connect with you? Yes. Well, they can hop on my website, which is morganadamswellness.com. I have a free mini course on evening and morning routines. And I also offer something called a sleep clarity call. So if you're really struggling with your sleep or you want to optimize it, what you do is you just hop on a call with me and I help you kind of get some more clarity about your sleep issues and help you devise a couple of like easy strategies to get yourself back on track. So I love to connect with people on Instagram as well. My handle is morganadams.wellness. I do a lot of you know content there and love to chat with people. So reach out and let's talk about your sleep. I love that. I will definitely put that in the show notes and the website. Thank you so much for your time and coming on this podcast. This was awesome. And I know my audience will benefit a lot from it. Thanks for having me, Brittany. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biohacking with Brittany. If you're interested in finding the show notes or the sponsors for this episode, you can do so on my website, which is biohackingbrittany.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram where I'm most active. My handle is at biohackingbrittany. And if you're interested in working together and you want to email me directly, you can do that. My email is info at biohackingbrittany.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and having you tune in next week.